This holiday season, open your heart and your ears to the delightful sounds of a caught offside Christmas. In this 8-disc set, you'll be treated to all the holiday hits, like this one. Taking L's. Taking L's. It's Christmas time for Man City. Dwindling. Shriveling. Soon it will be Liverpool's day. And who could forget this one? Nerves are tight. The time is up. If results aren't right, the ending's rough. We're simply changing managers all the time. We're simply changing managers all the time. Potch is gone, and Jose's here. Arteta's in, Ancelotti's near. We're simply changing managers all the time. We're simply changing managers all the time. Ah. Nothing puts you in the mood for the holidays quite like a song about people losing their jobs. But wait, there's more, like this blast from the past. You will get a monumental feeling when you hear Arlo singing, oh my golly, Pulisic scores, oh what a volley, shock in the ground. They all can see that Chelsea boy can play. And just in case you may have forgot, he's born in the U.S.A. And finally, you'll want to hug your loved ones tight as you sing along with this timeless classic. And so this is Christmas. And we fought a ton About that imperfect system Yeah, you know the one A very Merry Christmas Andrew's happy, I hear While JJ's still dreaming these words he will hear Fire is over It's what I've wanted Fire is over Now So don't wait! Order now! And for an extra $1,500, both Andrew and JJ will come to your house and yell, I mean sing, carols to you from outside your window. Will it annoy your neighbors? Possibly. But will they leave when prompted to? Actually, no, probably not. That's just their commitment to the holiday season. It's a caught offside Christmas. Order now. Caught 
Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Oh, that, that's just, that's a crime what we've just done there. <laughs> oh, my God. You have a beautiful voice. I don't oh, know if anyone's ever told you that. You know, if if I ever ever thought that you know maybe in the shower singing that hey i sound good i do not sound good there's the proof that is horrendous look we're very much caught up in the season we are caught up in the season but that shouldn't allow us to sing well it happened there's no stopping it now all lyrics by andrew gundling yeah yeah i'm quite the lyricist var is over oh oh my god when you're you're one about uh about pulisic though Arlo singing, oh my golly, Pulisic scores, oh what a volley. I wanted to vomit. Why? It's the worst I've ever heard. <laughs> this is the best bad thing that we've ever done. You think so? This is worse than a rap battle. It's Is it worse than EPL, back for more? I mean, that's pretty horrendous. Uh, we just love to sing. We can't help ourselves. We just want to sing from the top of a mountain. Merry Cringemas. Um, before we get into soccer and such, we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, El Clasico, um, Liverpool in the FIFA Club World Cup, Charlotte being awarded an MLS franchise, all kinds of things. Um, while we're in the holiday season, though, a, a listener sent me something. Okay. And so I opened it. Uh, this is from, I should give credit to who sent it. It's from Robert Cordova. And in it, he has a card. And right. so I opened the card. He said, and on it it says, "Read this first, as you typically do when you get a gift." You, you didn't first. check; it might be ricin. Well, I don't know. He said, "Dear Andrew, big fan of Caught Offside. I know you're very excited to open this, but it will be more exciting if you waited until the next podcast to get your live reaction. If you're too excited, I'll understand." Well, I oh, wasn't. It's going to be a comedy. It's going to be like a sex toy. Or I something. wasn't too excited. I oh. did wait. I actually don't know what's in here, so I'm going to tear this open now. It's very light. You're playing a dangerous game, my friend. I know. You've... Looks like uh, another card, and oh, that's something. the ricin. Okay. Um, wow, this is a, a longer card. It says, uh, "Dear Andrew, a few weeks back on the show, a conversation about Andrew going casually and wearing a hat." Uh, to which JJ asked you a baseball hat. Andrew loudly responded with, "No, a fedora." I hope you accept this gift as a token of thanks for all you do for your audience. I don't know where this might rank among the gifts you have gotten. Maybe somewhere in the middle. Maybe you will wear it when you visit Tottenham's new stadium when you attend your first game. That's very nice. I've actually attended a Tottenham game before, so it wouldn't be my first. But your point is well taken, and it is, in fact, a fedora. Oh, my and lord. I look like oh, such a tool. Oh, what a D nozzle. <laughs> oh, my That's God. That's very nice, Robert Cordova. What, what a nice uh, gift, but also. I don't know what you look like. <laughs> I look like a beach going. Miamian. Yeah, you look like you're on holiday down in Tampa. Will it make you uncomfortable if I wear this fedora for the rest of the show? Uh, it will ruin the show for me. Right. Well, I don't want that to happen. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it very much, and I'm going to wear it to sleep tonight. Please don't. Oh, I love our listeners. We have such great listeners. They are great. They keep sending us stuff, and we keep losing some of it. <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Let's not mention the unpleasantness. Let's start now, JJ. Speaking of unpleasantness, although I, I don't know if that's quite... Quite a fair uh, characterization of yesterday's Classico. Nil-nil. It ends very rare for a Classico to go nil-nil. It had been 50 uh, since that had happened. 2002. Yeah. 
That was the last one. Uh, I am someone who is of the belief that nil-nil does not automatically mean it was a bad game. Uh, I don't necessarily know that even though this was nil-nil, it was a bad game. Opinion has been very split on that. It was it was okay. It wasn't, right. terri- oh, yeah, it wasn't terrible. You had two goal line clearances. You had... Uh, you had um, two excellent volleys, I suppose. Well, excellent is maybe going too far. One of them was really good from Valverde for Real Madrid. You had a few half chances. You had a, a goal ruled out, rightly, uh, from Gareth Bale. You had beach balls on, on the field for a little bit, into, uh, to which was a protest by um, those who want political prisoners from Catalonia released by the Spanish government. In protesting fact, outside of the stadium, yes. there was a big deal made about that. There was concern over whether or not the game was even going to be able to go on. Yeah, and I mean, the teams pre-match had changed their routines. Barcelona had because of, of uh, political unrest or the potential for political unrest. So it, it was played with a weird backdrop, I guess. It wasn't a great game. You thought in, in the match that, particularly when, when Messi got the ball in the first half and just played this beautiful ball, to Alaba, who was who was in, and the finish was pretty poor. You uh-huh. feel if it because Madrid had kind of started the game very strongly, looked like they wanted to take the game to Barcelona. Had Barcelona scored at that point, I wonder what kind of game it would have been. You would have seen this onslaught, I'm assuming, from Madrid, and and that would have changed things. But no, it wasn't poor. It wasn't great. It was just meh in yeah. the middle. And and games are like that. I think one of the biggest tricks. That uh, soccer in its its movement towards being the preeminent art form, if you want, or the preeminent uh, preoccupation of the world, the preeminent hobby. One of the great tricks is that this game's amazing, the excitement, the passion. I have seen more drab soccer matches than I've seen good ones. And that happens. Yeah. That is just, that is just the truth. I know. Like anything in life, like even the worst, think of... I would say the worst baseball game you'll see is still not... It's still way worse than the worst soccer game you'll see, but that's an argument for another day. Look, these games are often hyped up, particularly derbies, particularly big rivalries like this, and they often just go a bit flat. Yeah. One thing I don't want to do, though, I was I was listening to ESPN FC, and the guys there were talking about it, and the question was kind of being batted around a little bit as, as to whether or not El Clasico is kind of losing some of its luster, whether or not that's because Ronaldo's no longer a part of the Messi-Ronaldo rivalry or, or whatever. Uh, I am not, and I'm not saying that they all felt that way, I'm just saying the question was batted around. I am not willing to go there at all. Uh, it hasn't lost it for me. I mean, I, on, I watched the B in Sports on, on uh, what was it, Tuesday night. They had like an hour special um, with people out on site in Barcelona. I watched the whole thing. Uh, I was very into it, very excited about it. So, no, I'm not at that point yet. I still think that it's probably the most highly anticipated game of the year, every year, in the world. No, but, I mean, even Celtic and Rangers can have games that are drab. You know, it's not... It's just not... We, we've seen drab World Cup finals. It doesn't mean that the World Cup is losing its luster. No, right? and, and I just also, don't like that we go to that place automatically when we see a game that doesn't quite live up to the standard we want it to be. Also, the the context is the race is pretty close. We expect it to continue to be close. Well, more than pretty close. They're dead even. Correct. And it's December. 
Can you imagine what the next fixture is going to be like? Yeah, and, and, and the, the run-in is going to be interesting. And as the well. next one is going to be interesting even more so because obviously La Liga handles its tiebreakers a little differently, where they're head-to-head, which I kind of prefer to goal difference, to be totally honest. Um, and so now with them having drawn this first one, it puts a lot of emphasis on what happens in the uh, the next time these two teams meet in Madrid. Um, I came away from the game with a couple takeaways. Uh, the probably for me the strongest being. I think it's time we start looking at this Real Madrid team a little bit differently, and I mean that in a positive way. Uh, I feel like they started their season slowly. There was the talk about Zidane and whether or not his job was actually on the line, and he kind of righted the ship, but I feel like we didn't really give that its due, and I feel like quietly Real Madrid have emerged now, and I, and like when we talk about the Champions League, it seems like we put our focus on, oh, well, Barcelona. Like We just think that that's you know the team to beat them in Liverpool and Manchester City and I feel like Real Madrid weirdly have flown under the radar and just watching that game yesterday I kind of went into it expecting okay Madrid are on the road they'd be happy with a point they're just going to set up defensively try to limit Barcelona's opportunities and while they did play well defensively I actually thought they were really open and I thought that there were points of the game where they were probably much more on the front foot and much more showing a willingness to score goals than Barcelona were Uh, so I came away from it actually pretty impressed with them. I wonder how your impression of Real Madrid would have would would be changed had that move in the second half. Yes, in the second half. This is a brilliant move end to end where where Barcelona get the ball, play it through the midfield and the ball ends up at the feet of Messi and I think I think the cross was maybe a tiny bit behind him and he flubs it. He, he did that weird thing where he w- uh, to use an American term, he whiffs on it mm-hmm. and it hits his knee and he, he goes to have a second attempt at it. But if he connects with that and that rattles the back of the net, I think Barcelona are going to win that game. And maybe then we're, we're, we're plunged into further, oh, well, you know, Real Madrid, are they where they need to be? Is Zidane second coming, all this and that? I think you're right. I think, it's a fine line between I think, that conversation every time. I think he stabilized things and they shouldn't be discounted in the way that they were earlier on in the season um, but it remains to be seen it's going to be fascinating how they balance an extremely tricky Champions League tie against Manchester tricky uh, it's Manchester City who are raging hot favourites for that yes. according to the percentages but we'll get into that later yeah I, look I don't think Zidane will be unhappy with a point at the new Camp considering how tight things are yeah it's uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. It just wasn't. It didn't really pop off or explode um, yesterday. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid are on a twelve-game uh, unbeaten streak right now in all competitions. That's their longest uh, in a single season since they had twelve in the sixteen-seventeen season. They've also avoided defeat in six of the last seven editions of El Clasico at Barcelona in all competitions. Pretty impressive. Again, we kind of like view this as Barcelona's era. <laughs> Although Real Madrid have had so much more success in Europe of late, but Barcelona domestically have dominated things, but Real Madrid have played them pretty well, especially there. Um, any other takeaways from this game? Not a huge amount, to be honest with you, Andrew. We go on, we move forward. I, I, st- I still do think that you look at you look at the game and, and you see if, if Messi and Suarez are even slightly out of sync in that attack, Barcelona are kind of blunt and subdued, but we've known that already. So. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes we view, you know, it's kind of it's a disservice to some of the other great players on this Barcelona team, but we we have kind of looked at them for I'd say a little over a year now as kind of just being Messi's team, and when he doesn't have that 
like moment of messy brilliance, then this can happen to Barcelona. I suppose without Busquets, it's interesting how Barcelona fared playing through the midfield. Um, Arturo Vidal plays 24, 48 hours after we hear he ra- he ran out of <laughs> out of training because he knew he wasn't starting and got very upset. The next thing he's in, you know, I suppose those are a few interesting side notes. Both, yeah, both teams go get through it unscathed. Nobody was scathed, Andrew, and we move on, and we will yeah. forget about this one fairly quickly. The, thing, the only, the last thing I would say about it is the thing that's most interesting to me moving forward, and I think mo- most interesting to all Barcelona fans is Griezmann. It seems like there is now being shown more and more of a microscope on him because he's really been a bit disappointing, and that's probably an understatement since he's arrived at Barcelona. But you know, like myself, I'm willing to give him time. I don't necessarily expect guys to come into a new team that play a totally different system than what he was playing at Atletico Madrid, and he's playing alongside guys like Messi, who command so much of the possession. Like it's, I wouldn't have expected him necessarily to come in right away, but at some point he is going to have to click on, and he is going to have to fall in line. Um, and if he doesn't, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how he factors into their plans moving forward. So that's that's my biggest thing that I'll be watching with Barcelona. Uh, but yes, nil nil, meh. We move forward. I, I suppose. One final thing, looking at that midfield, you know, Frankie de Jong, Rakitic, Roberto, or the midfield that started at least, there is something not quite right about Barcelona. I want to leave on that. There is some yeah. kind of malaise that they're operating under. Do you know what I came across this morning, before we get off this? Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Luke was in Barcelona for the remontada that has... <laughs> I mean, the the second remontada, not the not the Roma remontada, but the, the Liverpool remontada. And he gave me one of the local newspapers, and I, I went through all the things uh, in the paper and the player ratings uh, as, mu- as much as I could. It's all in Spanish, obviously. And, um, yeah, it was really interesting to see, like, the player ratings, Coutinho, zero. And I, I wonder if Griezmann is kind of suffering or laboring a little bit under that what Coutinho did last um, in his period at Barcelona. Anyway. Maybe. Uh, let's see, we continue now, JJ. Liverpool, we go to them as they are playing games. They might even be playing right now. Liverpool, all they do are play games, or so it seems, this week. They had a decision to make. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily exactly what I expected. Not saying that it was the wrong well, we decision. Knew that we knew this quite a Quite a few weeks out. We, we had but I'm f- saying, remember when we had the conversation when it was first announced that the game wasn't going to be moved? I don't think we knew it then, and we were talking about how will Jurgen Klopp handle this. No, but I think in in, in the last two weeks at least, oh, we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we've known. But I'm saying when this... Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, were you good with this? No, not really. Um, so there's a there's a lot to be said for the, for the young guys getting a run against Aston Villa and performing so well despite conceding five. They dominated the game in parts and uh, Villa Villa will look go away from that and be a little bit Ooh, well we had a lot of first team players playing in that game we weren't great we still won the game they but won 5-0 I mean, I, you have yeah. to Andrew you need to go back and watch that game that's alright alright um, but, but ultimately you know a League Cup quarter final two giants of the English game Villa and Liverpool traditionally Villa Park on a you know nighttime game going into a busy December, th- there's a charm to that. It means something to me, and I do think that a lot was sacrificed for a competition that is meaningless. The World Club Cup, it it, it mean it all it means nothing. And I wasn't happy with the decision really, but if you look at it, Jurgen Klopp 
was definitely told from above, from ownership, you're playing in the World Club Cup. You're putting your, rather, you're putting your strongest team into the World Club Cup. We know that, even though he fielded a team that had, you know, Henderson at centre back and a rejig midfield and lots of other things. It's not like Trent Alexander Arnold didn't start, no Virgil van Dijk. Bob Roberto Firmino came on late. But ultimately, we want to see brand Liverpool. Liverpool and Qatar, we want to see that brand there. And we know where those pressures are coming from. They're economic. They're probably coming from FIFA as well. I'm, I'm not surprised. It's disappointing, but it's not what I want. And I will criticise Liverpool for acquiescing with it. They, I would have loved for Liverpool to put their foot down and say, we'll send something to the World Club Cup, but we're, we're, keeping, our, we're keeping our main team to compete in the domestic cup competition we're supposed to be in. Um, Seb Stafford Blower wrote this and I, I, when I read it I just thought Andrew's going to nod his head with this UEFA's big beasts won't stop until they've disfigured continental football entirely and that new schedule will inevitably have come at the cost of something else i.e. the domestic game mm-hmm. and on and on because the game never knows when to stop it can never just survey its scene conclude that things are kind of fine as they are and just carry on no the mobilisation has to keep going irrespective of whether it's serving a purpose or not bigger tournaments more countries longer qualifying more TV football forever they're, it's monetary reasons that they're out in Qatar. Doing to this. what end? Exactly. Like where where is this all headed? But the, but he finishes by saying, "There's a lot of Liverpool fans will say that was a brilliant experience for those young fellas going forward. It's going to be great for them in the future. The future of what? Like, will will the League Cup continue if teams start pulling out? Look what happened to the FA Cup in the 2018 20 years since Manchester United decided to go to this inaugural tournament and forsake the FA Cup. The one thing Liverpool did that was better was not to like say, well, we can't continue in the League Cup. We're they, going to right, forfeit. They put a, they put a team At out. least they put a team out. But we're heading towards that scenario very, very quickly. And I don't like it. And I, don't, I think most people shouldn't like it. Apart from anything, the ethical concerns of being in a country like Qatar playing football in December... I, I just don't think it's right. Um, I do wonder, like, uh, kind of like staying with this idea of Klopp's decision, but sort of altering it a little. Could he have? Could he have had more of a split squad? Like Liverpool yeah. are a deep enough team where you know could he have sent? Like could he have put a representative team out on? Well, both we don't. Fields? We don't know what pressure he was under to bring the full kit and caboodle to Qatar. Is what I'm saying. You know, if he if, if, what even. If he had sent left Bobby Firmino in in Birmingham to play in that game, and maybe Milner and a couple other like guys, Origi. Uh, yeah, you would have been caught between two stools. Liverpool, it would have been a weird amalgam of things. Now, look, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, "Hey, did you not enjoy the game against against Monterey?" Actually, thought it was pretty okay. Weird atmosphere. Mark Ogden of ESPN FC thinks they were piping in noise into this half filled stadium for the game. But it's actually, you know, the goal at the end that Liverpool had to win it was really good. Monterey put it up to Liverpool, albeit it was a kind of a weird Liverpool defence. Um, Funes Mori had plenty of joy against the two centre-backs. But ultimately, even if we beat Flamengo, I know it's a, a cup, but it, there's got to be meaning to these cups. And in the same way as I don't value the Super Cup, I don't right. value this. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. Having said that, I am kind of glad that we have this matchup. Like, I don't know, there is there is sort of a curiosity in me 
Because we just assume that Europe's best is the best. But Flamengo have asserted themselves as the best of South America, at least right now. And I'm just, I'm kind of glad Liverpool brought their A squad because I'm just sort of curious to see how Flamengo actually stack up against and, what and, we deem to be the world's best And team. ultimately, that's what keeps the fans coming, what keeps the TV rights there, because we can't not watch football. And if there's an interesting matchup, we're going to put it on, regardless of ethics, regardless of how it affects domestic football, regardless of whether there's any real meaning to it. It's the same. There were some games in, in, in this tournament so far in the World Club Cup that felt like if I put them on with no like no Chiron to tell you what this was, no, no graphics, you would have said, why are they showing a replay of an ICC game from the summer? Mm-hmm. So. so what you're saying is you will not be in tears come the final whistle of this game. I really won't be. It will not say anything to me. Will they, if they win, will there be like a, an open bus top parade? Like, that's an actual question no. I'm asking. Okay. No. But they will be the best team in the world. I mean, if... No, they won't actually. Oh, you can look at the Champions League, the best world club competition, and and go from there. (laughs) No, this is not a test of anything. Oh, I uh, enjoy JJ's always he's always being ter- uh, you know so moaning about modern football he's a bore blah 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 I really enjoyed the Mex- my Mexican Monterey team playing Liverpool because I don't get to say did ya did you enjoy it good that's fine you can enjoy it but you have to look at the bigger picture too what percentage of you actually enjoys this sport oh none of me <laughs> okay. it's just a vehicle for 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 me to be angry to about things no uh, no no I I actually enjoyed that game yesterday. That's the truth of it. Uh, Let's see, JJ. Let's bring it back stateside now and talk more about money and finances. (laughs) Oh, God. God. (laughs) This this show is set up for me to mourn. Oh, find the positives. Find the positives. Charlotte, congratulations. You've been awarded. Awarded. MLS's 30th franchise. These are all words that I know you just love. Santa Garber came into town on his sleigh. And instead of giving presents, he left with a big bag of loot. And all it took was the cost of roughly one Garrett Cole contract. Congratulations, Charlotte. No, look, I don't mean to be sounding sarcastic or anything. Like, seriously, congratulations. I think there's a really vibrant soccer community uh, in that region. Uh, We've seen it. I'm reading here from MLSsoccer.com. More than 69,000 fans watched Liverpool versus AC Milan in 2014. In Charlotte, and 61,000 attended a PSG Chelsea game in 2015. A CONCACAF Gold Cup doubleheader at Bank of America Stadium in June this year drew nearly 60,000 fans for games featuring Mexico, Canada, Cuba, and Martinique. 60,000 for those. I mean, Mexico's playing, but not even a USA game. Um, Mexico national team's going to play a match there also in 2020. Um, even beyond that, the uh, still reading here, the Carolinas have also been a popular location for youth soccer tournaments and was for chosen years. as the site of the 2019 Adidas MLS College Showcase. Two-time, uh, Also, two-time defending NWSL champions North Carolina Courage have become extremely popular there. So, look, I think that this is a... Yeah, it's a seems like a wise choice for me. It seems like there's very motivated ownership with David Tepper. It seems like it's a vibrant soccer community. It just it feels like this will be a good fit. I'd be surprised if you know. Now, obviously, look, the team's going to have to be good, but I would be surprised if this fell flat. I, I feel like Charlotte will embrace this, you know, wholeheartedly, and I think that this will be a, a fun match. Uh, 
I guess so. I know you hate the way that this stuff. Comes I don't about. like the way it's done. No, yeah, I don't. Look, and in I a mean, perfect world, we would have promotion relegation. Uh, but that's just not how they're but doing. But there's it. a team right now, and the phrase that keeps coming to mind that's always thrown at us. Well, it's growing the game, but is it? Yes, I believe it is. I don't think it is because there's there's a team already in the USL, Charlotte Independence, who are refurbishing a stadium in the municipality to make it into a soccer-specific stadium. And they're just going to be swamped by this multi-hundred million dollar deal. I mean, 325 million, including being undercut by their own city. Charlotte is going to, is contributing in some form, and we don't know exactly where that money is going to go or how it's going to be distributed, but a 110 million to this. And this is the whim of a billionaire. That is what it is. This man had more. McGarber can talk about, well, you know, it's perfectly situated, a city that, that, that loves soccer, etc. You can say that about so many towns in this country. You really can. Now, so I know what you're going to say. You're going to say size-wise. You're going to say, can it sustain soccer? I, I understand. All that may be true, but it's the figure. $325 million. That's a far exceeds the $200 million for the 28th and 29th expansion franchises. It's about money here. And from what we're hearing, this is it. This yeah. is the final one. Santa Don won't be flying around. Yeah, the door has been slammed shut on a lot of cities that are probably feeling uh, kind of bummed out right now. I mean, it's, again, I would say, if you look at what Jake Edwards and the USL and the plans that they have, I, I would say to fans that are, you know, crying about the fact that they haven't been awarded or granted this to get behind your local teams and, and build that up. I watched the USL final. I was impressed by the crowd. I I think there's something in, in lower league soccer in America and, and that's growing the game for me at grassroots level. This, this again, like I said, is the whims of billionaires. But, yes, that's there's true. There's 600 fans, Andrew, of this team that doesn't exist and doesn't have a name right now. But I'm saying, like... <laughs> It has to like it is. It has to be growing the game. Like there's how so, because there's too many people. You can talk about the people who are grassroots. They're in. Like we know we have those people. Growing the game means grabbing casual fans who didn't really previously have an interest in the sport. That's what growing the game you is. See, and then they pass it on to their kids. And then that in that generation, now all of a sudden, soccer is just part of their life in a way that it wouldn't have been had an MLS team not been in their city. Something's got to give though on this thirty man MLS, right? You would think. What do you mean? Well. Has MLS turned a profit yet? Probably not. I actually don't know. I don't know either. I mean, when they start getting $325 million for new franchises, it shows that the league is in a pretty healthy state, I would think. But, or, I, don't, but did, I don't know. Did Tepper, but I honestly or, don't know. Or, if or did Tepper just outbid those, those other teams that were in the mix as well? I would imagine so. He, he outbid the, the 28th and 29th by $150 million or so. I don't know. Well, I'm uh, not sure about this. I'm sorry, Charlotte. All of our listeners in Charlotte no, but, who, who wanted this to so be a gonna fun have two, segment. So we're going to have two 15, two 15 team groups, right? Uh, how many are going to get in? Yeah, I don't know how the playoffs will be reformatted. I don't know if they'll go to 8-8 eight and eight, like what we see in, in basketball and hockey. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll cross that bridge once these teams... I mean, look, we're still a couple years away from some of these teams joining the league for real, so... We'll have to wait and see I how they've really been the Grinch, haven't I? Yeah, I'm. Yes, I, it's not that. Yeah. I, yes, you have. You have. There is. You can't be happy. Like you, 
your inability to understand why a city and its fans would be happy to have a professional but they have men's one. soccer team in their but they have in them. the highest league in this ah, country. All right. Your inability to to understand that is puzzling to me. It, I, I don't do, get it. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. But again, it's a different landscape. The way things are done are different. I guess to build a league, it had to be different from its inception. Like but, if the Knicks disappeared tomorrow, maybe this is a bad example because Knicks fans probably wouldn't mind that. But I'm saying if the Knicks disappeared tomorrow, you would say, well, so what? Go watch the Westchester Knicks in in, in White Plains. You still have a no, team. But the, but the Knicks, again, what, what year did the Knicks start in? But uh, but your the Rangers ba- your basic as well. Point, these are these are. But your point is basically like, as long as there's some level of professional team, you should just be happy with that. But that's that's how it works, and you and you build your team up. And again, again, it but all who comes. Who doesn't want but to see it, but the it team all, playing it, in the highest again, league? Again, Andrew, it all comes down. But this is a league where it the doors are closed. This isn't the highest league. This is just the league that has the TV coverage and. The doors are closed to everybody else, and I suppose that's my objection. Ultimately, what it comes down you to. don't. I mean, look, I understand that you don't like the way teams happen in this league, but I don't know. We're just not going to see eye to eye on on. I know, but on this, you know, there's going to be other teams that are that now, if they're shutting the doors, have no way to be to eat at the top table. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I feel bad for those cities. But you're saying you don't feel bad for them because they probably have a no, team already. No. And yeah, and they should so, get behind them and, and, and build the league they're in as much as possible. I suppose that's the only other way to do it. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, that was bleak. That was a very bleak no, segment that I thought would be fun. What, I'll tell you what. We'll would it be better if I came on here and just yeah. cheerleaded? Um, it would be a nice change of pace from the norm. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I'd like to know that, JJ. Happy Christmas, Shia. I, I used to know him. I don't know what happened to him. No, I mean very cynical now. But, but come on, uh, when Charlotte start playing, if we're still around doing what we do, we will cover games. We will talk about them. We'll talk about them in the playoffs. We'll do in the clubs with their fans. We'll do all that. It goes on, but you know, to not ask questions and just blindly be okay with everything that happens, regardless, is just the Andrew Gundling way. <laughs> keep going, keep going. It'll all be over soon. I'll tell you what. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, the Champions League draw was announced. No points. Another- no point. European football is finished. Another- Another thing to not celebrate since no clubs from <laughs> the top five leagues are involved. No. We should be very disappointed with this tournament, and we should not give it our respect anymore. But we will talk about some of the matchups. Uh, what to watch for, red cards, man of the match, don't go anywhere. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, I have a uh, water bottle here next to me. You and, do. Um it's quite weird to watch you drink out of it because it's one of those athletic ones, which, yeah. I mean, irony of ironies that you're using it. Um, and it's got the spout. So you kind of need to purse your lips. Yeah. And it just looks... The- First of all, it's called a straw. Yeah, it's, in, it's an internal straw. I'm, I'm someone who is of the belief that no one over the age of eight should drink from a straw. You should just gulp it down. What about yeah. teeth protection? It's been a big thing that if you're having sugary drinks, if you take it through a straw, it uh, avoids the teeth in the mouth. Unless you're sloshing around. Is that a thing? Yeah, Is that for real? I read that somewhere. You're very well read. Speaking of reading and speaking of the ingestion of water, uh, Pablo Moore of The Athletic did a piece on a photo shoot that I knew nothing of. 
It was the photo shoot for the New York Times in 2002, prior to the World Cup, the US men's national team in North Carolina. And he went, the photos became famous because they were done by a groundbreaking photographer who was known for pushing the boundaries in terms of sex in photos. Not actual copulation, but, you know, making things sexy. Mm -hmm. And there's a famous photo of Landon Donovan from the water spout, taking, taking water from the water spout. And it reminded me kind of you. I saw that picture. Yes. And I don't know why it's so famous. It's suggestive. It's shot in a suggestive fashion. And then there's uh, Pablo Mastroni and Brian McBride in challenging and interesting poses. And the article is so good because there's so much around this. Hmm. And Pablo's talked to the people. He even sat with Bruce Arena. He traveled all the way to Boston to talk to Bruce Arena, to Foxborough, to talk to Bruce Arena about this. And Bruce Arena was like, oh, you want to talk about the photo shoot? Shoot Christ or something like that. And he <laughs> sat him down. And the article is so good. Um, but the photographer, he speaks to the photographer about what he was trying to achieve from the photos. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Was, Absolutely wild and, and very interesting. I was very surprised with Bruce's willingness to go full frontal. No, he didn't actually do oh that. Oh, my God. Too None far. of them did that. Is that too far? Yes, way too far. We're talking suggestive. Not yeah, nothing suggestive about full frontal. Oh, what? can you stop saying it? Jeez. But anyway, it's an interesting piece of a, a little bit of, what would you call it? I don't know. It's nostalgic. It's also just weird and funny and interesting. Nice. Uh, let's see, JJ. Champions League knockout stage, the draw. Here we go. I'm going to run through them. I guess when you have something, just raise your hand and I'll call on you politely. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and PSG, the Tuchel Cup. Yeah. PSG favorites for this one. We should probably give the 538 index, power index for this. Wow, that's you saying that. Yeah. Well, just because it's interesting. 69% to 31% in favor of PSG to go through. Um, which most people would probably agree with, but there's a couple of variables. I suppose Dortmund are patchy, but are still able to put in performances like they did against Inter in the group stage. And uh, PSG have, I guess, a certain amount of harmony as much as they've had, but who returns to the fold for the Champions League? Neymar. How does that all work out? Yeah, uh, this... Look, I'm not saying that they have to win the competition, but PSG have gone out three straight years in the round of 16. No offense to Borussia Dortmund. Good club. Really good team. That can't happen to PSG. They have to See, advance. Dortmund they are, have to. Dortmund are capable of, of quite magnificent football, and PSG are capable of the same, but are also capable of imploding, as we've seen. And I'm wondering what PSG we see. Because Dortmund, I I do feel Dortmund are playing a little bit with house money in this. I don't know if they'll feel that way. Probably not. I mean, not. look, they advanced out of a difficult group. They got past Inter. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Borussia Dortmund will, will ever view... I mean, look, if they make a run to the final, then maybe. But at the round of 16, that does, I, that's not house money for them. They expect yeah. to be here. I know. And, and, they'll, and look, they'll expect to win. Now, I think PSG is the better side. Um, but with, with PSG, for me, it's just kind of like an if not now, when. Uh, like With the money that they've poured into this team and with the names, like Mbappe and Neymar, Cavani, like Icardi, it's just like 
it's ridiculous to think that they if, if they can't get out of this round. Another failure would. I don't know what they do at that point. Like, I mean, do you just like change your entire methodology? Well, I, you would think that some of those players will will maybe look to move on or try to get out and go somewhere else. It's yeah. Uh, so I don't know that that is that's a very interesting matchup to me purely because I just think like, the pressure is on PSG, and we'll see if that manifests itself on the field. Uh, Real Madrid, Manchester City, um, another fascinating round of sixteen matchup. Pep. Yeah. With seventy uh, percent towards City and thirty percent, only thirty percent. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that feels that I, feels disrespectful to me. I mean, look, Manchester City—they're great, no question about it. But they're struggling in the league this season. I don't know if this is like the same Manchester City that we've gotten the last couple seasons. I just told you what I think of Real Madrid earlier in this podcast, and I feel like they're they're kind of flying under the radar. And to see to see it tip that heavily in Manchester City's favor is, is really surprising to me. Uh, Pep Guardiola has had a lot of success against Real Madrid in his career. He's nine four and four against them. There's no team he's played more, I believe, than Real Madrid. I suppose it's how City weather the December schedule and how they attack January in terms of figuring out that defense. They're probably going to have to make a few moves, I well, would think. There's going to be questions, I guess, around Emmerich Laporte because he is due back. Now, whether or not he'll be back in time for this, I'm honestly not sure. I probably should know. Pep will go and buy a fullback. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is a fascinating one. Uh, one of these teams, like, can you imagine? We're talking about PSG and their pressure. Manchester City are putting a lot of eggs in the European basket, and if they can't advance out of the round of 16, there's going to be a lot of frustration there as well. Um, they feel, I'm sure they feel like it's time. So that's when they saw Real Madrid come up, they, I imagine there wasn't a lot of joy in that. Well, they've, had, they've played them before at the semifinal stage. So, um, Atalanta and Valencia. One, I'll tell you what, like, no disrespect to Valencia, but for Atalanta who, to have been on four points heading into the final match day, and now, I mean, I look at this as almost a toss-up, maybe, uh, yeah, uh, essentially. So, like, fifty-seven percent towards Atalanta, forty-three percent towards Valencia. Like, Atalanta to. could be in, in the the quarterfinals after being on four points with one game remaining in the group stage. That's ridiculous. Uh, let's see, JJ. Now, this is an interesting one. Because I made a statement on last week's podcast. I was backed into a corner, forced to make a bold prediction by myself. And um, I said that I believe Atletico Madrid is going to make a run to the semifinals, not knowing who they were going to be drawn against in the round of 16. And now I see it's Liverpool. So do I stand by my bold prediction? Well, the eggheads at 538 have a 32% chance of Atletico going through, whereas they have Liverpool at 68%. I'm not sure I feel it's quite like that. No defending champion has gone out in the round of 16 since AC Milan back in 0708. That's that's a heavy burden on Liverpudlians. But we've met each burden with a smile and a goal, usually a late goal. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be closer than the 538 index would suggest. I mean, this is February. A lot can happen between now and then, injury-wise. But well, things, as we sit here in December... Things have already happened for Liverpool as they have signed Takumi Minamino from Salzburg. Yeah, and he comes in with mid-90s boy band hair, Yeah, which is a nice move. He's uh, I'm, I'm so excited about his signing. They got him at an outrageous price. I don't even know how that can happen. Doesn't seem fair. Michael Edwards, again with his laptop, crunching the numbers... 
coming up with the goods. Uh, Chelsea and Bayern Munich, another very in- a lot of really good matchups in the round of sixteen. I know people are so disappointed that uh, you know we don't have like Porto or something, but you know, don't don't start me. All right, uh, a rematch of the Champions League final, or as I refer to it, the worst day of my life as a Tottenham fan when they were bounced from the Champions League qualification did on you the, see, the BS technicality that was then righted after they were wrong. Did you see whatever. Bayern Munich and Freiburg yesterday? No. Did you see Alfonso Davies, well you didn't see Alfonso Davies, burning the left-hand side of the Freiburg defence and centering for Lewandowski? This is a... Te- well, we're going to talk about who's got a good draw, who's got a bad draw later, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, let's I'll, see. I'll hold off on my comments. Okay, table it, as they say. Uh, Lyon and Juventus. This is unfortunate for Lyon in what was already a frustrating season for them. They're eighth domestically, and now they lose Memphis Depay for the remainder of the season, um, which is – you feel terrible for him because it's going to affect the summer as well, I'm sure, He's, it's, uh, with it's, the Netherlands. It's going to be one of those race against time scenarios. I think time's against him, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know. Yeah. That, nah, I felt terrible for him. Um on the topic of Juventus, JJ, speaking of things that happened yesterday that I did see, Cristiano Ronaldo is a physical freak. And for him to be still showing this kind of athleticism at this stage of his career, like I keep waiting, not for him to like like fall out of being a great player, but you know, you expect guys to change. And Ronaldo has, he has changed his game to a certain extent, but the fact that he can still go into his bag of tricks and jump what was it like three feet almost into the air for a header like that it he was, was it high was high really, above the crossbar it, it was seemed. it was an amazing thing to see and it looked like he jumped way too early now i know the slow motion is the most spectacular one so you don't kind of get a measure on when the cross was hit but it was one of those where he kind of he caught the header as he was coming down and just powered it past the sampdoria keeper um i must have watched it a hundred times in over the last yeah. few hours it's unbelievable yeah he's He's special. And first of all, you think, is he climbing on the defender? No. No. He's just leaped. Amazing. Uh, let's see. We continue with Tottenham and RB Leipzig. Well, this is a very interesting one for Spurs. Tottenham, 44%. RB Leipzig, 56%. Feels about right. Okay. I would say. Uh, and then finally, Napoli and Barcelona. Napoli... 28%. Barcelona, 72. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So the two questions. Uh, who's thrilled? Who's bummed? Uh, thrilled. Draw couldn't have been much better for Atalanta, who will really feel they have a chance to get to the quarterfinal. Although Valencia, for their part, won't be too upset either. I think Leipzig will really fancy themselves against Spurs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a fascinating matchup. You've got a super young, tactically flexible and innovative coach in Julian Nagelsmann against a man who was once seen as all those things. Um, this really feels like the litmus test to see whether Mourinho still has got it. He's in the Champions League, last 16, against an upstart team. What have you got? Uh, I can't wait for this one. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be overly excited because that's... That would not be right. I do believe, you know, Tottenham, I still don't really, I don't know what they are yet this season. Um, and RB Leipzig are a really good team. But for Spurs, it, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. It could. I wasn't crushed when I saw that appear. Yeah. I know what you mean, but 
I really fancy Leipzig to do Spurs. That's, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I will, will pick Spurs, but I do know that I give them more of a chance as opposed to if they were playing some of the other teams that were possibilities in fair. this round. Um, for me, who's bummed? I mentioned this before. I guess I'll reemphasize it now. Uh, Manchester City just. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're not all this talk about. Well, they're not going to win the league this year, so now they're now's their chance to really go for it in Europe, as if they haven't been go, really going for it in Europe the past few seasons. But whatever, uh, that's a thing people like to say. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I think I think they I think they're going out. I think they're going out. Wow. And um, you think that high, that highly of of this Real Madrid team? I think if you're going to play Real Madrid, you're playing them at exactly the right time. You're Manchester City. You have some of. Well, what do you mean exactly the right time? Um, even if Madrid are tied for the top of the table in, in La Liga, this is not the Madrid of, of the last few seasons, particularly. I don't know that this is the city of the last few seasons. Mm, okay. I, I fancy them over, over two legs in this game. I just fancy them. I do. Okay. Uh, but I've, I said that before. I said I agreed with what Jonathan Wilson said in The Guardian. You know, forget about the league now and really, really go after this, this Champions League. And I think it's there for them. Um, who I'm bummed for also, I would say Chelsea as well. Um, boy, I worry about that central defense dealing with Robert Lewandowski. Again, it's awkward talking about ties that are so far away. There will be so many games played. But right now, if you're looking at that Chelsea team and the center of that defense against Lewandowski, or even the wide players, like I said, Alfonso Davies, I mean, Coutinho, the attack that Bayern Munich have. And by the way, they're not. It's not. It's not like everything's rosy in the garden for them entirely. But I do not. I do not fancy Chelsea in this yeah. one. By the way, can I go on record with something? Go ahead. In the history of this podcast, and I think we've kind of mentioned this before, but I just want to say it again. I believe that Robert Lewandowski is probably the most underappreciated player on this show. I don't feel like he is spoken I, uh, about nearly I'm, enough for how great a player he is. It's been. And pro- by the way, my runner-up for that uh, would for that award that I've just created would probably be Kareem Benzema. I think it's problematic because Lewandowski has been coloured by the fact that Bayern have ran away in the end with the last how many titles in in Germany. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of switched off and ignored, and also kind of failures in Europe even though it's not all down to one player. No. But that's probably turned us off as well. I remember the, was it last season or the season before the semi-final against Real Madrid and Lewandowski had a few misses when Bayern Munich were on top at the Allianz and I think maybe some harsh judgments were made then. We tend to do switch off on, on teams, players like him, which is unfortunate. Well, I just want it known that I feel that way. Can I can I give you my bummed? Mm-hmm. You've, you, you've covered Chelsea. Um I'm so bummed for Napoli. Uh, Barcelona have proven themselves brittle before, but Napoli, they just will have been aghast at that draw. Uh, what shape will they be in after Christmas and January under Gennaro Gattuso, who's got the job after Ancelotti's departure? Um, the players are in open revolt against um, De Laurentiis, the owner. And it's no shock that De Laurentiis... After a manager who was re- reluctant to take his team into Retiro, gets the Retiro master, <laughs> the guy, the guy who cancelled Christmas, um, re- replacing someone seen as not a disciplinarian with a disciplinarian. Is this going to? Ma- I mean, how are the players going to react to 
to Gattuso. I don't know. Maybe he didn't get a fair crack at, at Milan. I felt he kind of didn't. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough assignment for them. No and how does he keep him. that style of play going? How uh, does yeah, he, I don't know. I mean, he's just... If if Ancelotti was a departure from Sarri, what is Gattuso a departure from? Uh, you got any more? No, that's it. Then we continue with what to watch for Premier League Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Everton and Arsenal. This is fascinating timing. Everton, the team of the club statement... They've issued a club statement to deny a deal was done earlier last week with uh, late last week with Ancelotti, and they released a club statement today to say that Duncan Ferguson would be the manager for the visit of Arsenal, suggesting that there may be someone waiting. In There's the wings. a very weird state of limbo happening at that club in terms of the manager position. We believe Carlo Ancelotti will be the next Everton manager. Yeah, uh, as we stated earlier in our Christmas songs. Uh, really tough loss for Everton in the Carabao Cup, a competition that they probably, like, we can talk about Liverpool having no time for it. I would think Everton have a lot of time for it. Well, I was following the dispatches and apparently... <laughs> dispatches, good lord. I know. <laughs> it's like we're live in some war-torn country. Uh, the first half was bad, and then they really picked it up in the second half. And just disappointed to go in penalties. Late goal for Leighton Baines. Oh, suit you, sir. What a belter. But yeah, they do lose to Leicester City on penalties. Leicester, a club that probably think that they can go on and win this thing, um, as they've been drawn with Aston Villa. Uh, meanwhile, the other semifinal will be a Manchester derby, United and City. Um, also, real quick, before we get off of Everton and Arsenal, uh, we should say it looks like Mikel Arteta is about to become Arsenal's next manager. Three and a half year deal. Seems protracted. Pep last night in his post-match comments after the Carabao Cup victory over plucky Oxford had this to say. But Pep, the fact that there isn't any news just doesn't seem to have moved on at all. Are you a bit frustrated by the way Arsenal no. conducted this? No, no, no. I don't have any... I spoke yesterday, you were not... You know, my press conference in 48 questions, 35 was about Mikel, so I don't have to say anything more until new news. When is new news? In my next conference, when you ask me something, I will answer, but... It's enough. It's enough. He's been at. Apparently, Man City, we're hearing, are really upset about the way Arsenal have gone about um, their their request to get Mikel Arteta. Um, well, it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, certainly, it's a tough job. Arsenal are in a very weird state, but I think it's a job that I'm. I kind of like. That choice, to be honest, rather than like a retread or something, I like giving this guy and a chance. Who's certainly had a, an apprenticeship under you know the best. And um, years ago, he was outlining what he felt ne- was needed for Arsenal in interviews, and seems to have a plan for them. Problem is, some of those players, Andrew, we're hearing Aubameyang wants out now. He doesn't see light at the end of this tunnel and wants to leave. Which a player of his status—that's nice. I mean, like, th- there's just a part of me that hates that mentality. You know, like, how about you be part of, of helping to fix it? Player in his early 30s, though, staring down the barrel of what? You know, another long, protracted Europa League campaign, not making it to the top four. Players are selfish, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, 12.30, Manchester City and Leicester City. Great game. And... You know, sometimes this term is annoying, but I think this is a fascinating measuring stick match for Leicester. Not to say that I 
am not a believer of what I've seen so far this season, but I mean, at the Etihad, um, this is a, a real chance for them to say, uh-uh, it's not you as a that are a part of this title challenge this year. It's what, us, what, if there is a title what challenge. What did you say about them drawing at home to Norwich? What did that say to you? Who? Wait, what? Leicester. Oh, I mean, what are you implying? that? No, but you're saying this is the test now. Surely the test is to keep pace with the... Look, they're not going to win the league, but like... I don't know. I, I so they're no longer t- title challengers, in your view. I don't really believe that there is much of a title because race, they no. were they've they've been capable. We've seen in the past of of going to Man City and upsetting the apple cart. I'm not sure that that is a measure of of a new Leicester per se. I think I think we know they're pretty good under Brendan Rodgers right now. Uh, if they lose to Manchester City, I might think well they're pretty good, but. City have fallen in your estimation. They have. Let's be honest. They really have. Well, yeah, from where they were the last couple seasons, sure. Haven't they in fallen in the way that you view them? From like, yeah, but I think there's that, something off there. Yeah, and whether it be through injury or just, like, I think it's all those lack factors. Of maybe a different kind of motivation. I don't know, but I just I don't have the same kind of fear of Manchester God, City Andrew, as I have the last couple. If seasons. City take another bad result. Then you wonder if what we were talking about last week about, you know, maybe it's burnout under Pep. If that's happened. Uh, last but not least, Sunday, 11.30, the Jose Mourinho redemption tour continues as he faces another <laughs> former club of his. How is he going to be redeemed? In Chelsea. Uh, this one at Spurs, however, unlike when he went to Old Trafford to face United. Uh Another possible measuring stick game, this one for Tottenham, I would say. Um, you know, they've done a nice job of racking up wins against, well, you know what? I was going to say lesser opponents. We haven't even mentioned Tottenham's win over Wolves, uh, which Jose Mourinho viewed as basically beating a top four club on the road. Now, not that's not to say that Wolves will finish top four, but he says that they're of that caliber. And look, I don't know that he's wrong. Wolves are really good, and that was an impressive performance by Wolves that they were really probably unlucky to have not won. They were the better team, and sometimes that happens. Um, Often under Mourinho. <laughs> but it was Jan Vertonghen who, it's ironic too that he gets the winning goal on a day where he's playing out wide and he just oh. it just doesn't look like it's a, the right fit for him. Now he's played there before, he played uh, played left back against Borussia Dortmund Do we, in the Champions League and he played really well, he scored a goal in that game too, but he's it's, also, just not, it's just not where he's supposed to be. He's also playing. played wide in a defensive formation for Belgium and got absolutely toasted yeah i mean look this is this is a spot on tottenham that is a problem area it just is both fullback positions and jose is trying things uh but yeah that should be a really interesting one tottenham and chelsea and then finally jj fifa club world cup uh the final saturday at 12 30 uh we now know that it's liverpool and flamengo which we talked a little bit about earlier should we end this now with this red card uh we actually have the same thing uh, you want to kind of lead into it? No, you you can lead into it because um, I, I'll, I'll chime in. I'm struggling for words with this one. Well, all right. This uh, this past week, I don't I don't know. In their quest to combat racism uh, in Italian football, uh, three paintings were unveiled with <laughs> with monkey faces, and I I don't. It's so misguided, and it was so bizarre. Now, Syria, the league did this. Liga Syria, 
did this with little consultation with the clubs. It was so strange that when I when I saw the article, I first saw it on Twitter. I had to look twice to make sure that it wasn't the onion that I was reading. It seemed that insane to me that yeah. this was actually something that happened and I just I just continue to wonder who is making these decisions where is the PR department is there no one that can see the way things are going to be viewed this is the height of insanity uh obliviousness insensitivity it I don't know what else there is to even say about how they're going about this well um they commissioned artist Simone Fugazzato to do this and this is what he had to say in terms of an explanation for why he would use this imagery. Mm-hmm. For an artist, there is nothing more important than trying to change people's perceptions via their work, said Fugazzato. With this trio of paintings, I try to show that we are all complex and fascinating creatures who can be sad or happy, Catholic, Muslim or Buddhist. But at the end of the day, what decides who we are is not the colour of our skin. I only paint monkeys as a metaphor for human beings. We turn the concept back on the races, as we are all monkeys originally. So I painted a Western monkey, an Asian monkey, and a black monkey. What? What? What is? What is the attempt here? Like, well, I'm, I'm is he, not... he? First of all, he's treating the racists who make who do these chants in the stands as being able to really dig in deep into the concepts of higher art. Aha, I've turned it back on you. They're not going to read it like that. No. And look, uh, his heart, maybe his heart was in the right place. I don't think anybody's heart was in the wrong place. But it's just... But where were their brains? That, exactly. Like, there had to be someone who walked in the room and maybe heard the explanation. And somebody needed to, like, look around and be like, guys, anyone? Are, are we sure we want to do this? <laughs> My favorite quote here, you mentioned AC Milan. They... uh Says, I'm reading from Sports Illustrated. AC Milan said it was surprised by the total lack of consultation Ugh. over the paintings used. My favorite, though, JJ, was Roma. Uh, it says here, Roma also said it was very surprised by the move. Quote, we understand the league wants to tackle racism, but we don't believe this is the right way to do it. In the understatement of the century. Thank you, Roma. Can we just deduce this much from it? And I'm not having a go at the artist. I, I will, let's have a go at Lega Syria. They don't get this. They don't understand what's going on. And it seems to feed into a larger lack of understanding or care throughout the league. You, you know the way they make these weird statements, the ultras will come out. And make this statement saying, ah, but it's not racist because... And they go through all these triangulations. This artist and Legacy Air are doing something not dissimilar. They they don't get it. Yeah, They don't I, get the derogatory nature of, what, of what's been saying about other human beings. Nobody gets this. Even on a higher level, nobody gets this. You know, make it simple. I, I think it's time that Syria uh, outsources the handling of this problem because oh. it doesn't feel like there's people in the room that are qualified to be doing it. Uh, let's see. We continue now. Caught offside's man of the match. Would you like to go? Uh, this is from Marcus Christensen in The Guardian. FC Cologne are pulling out of a deal to run a football academy in China with a member of the club council saying they should not 
support such a totalitarian and brutal dictatorship. The deal, which was going to be worth 1.8 million euros to the club, was originally put on hold in the summer, and on Wednesday, Cologne said they would not go ahead with it. The decision comes after Arsenal were criticised for their response to Mesut Ozil's Instagram post about China's treatment of the Uyghur population in its northwestern region. Cologne's president, Werner Wolf, told the local paper Coloner Stat Ansiger on Wednesday that they had decided to not proceed with the project in the current sporting situation. Stefan Muller-Romer, who was a member of the board until the summer and is back in his previous role on the club council, was more forthright, telling KSA, I understand that Germany can't completely get by without China and that there is an exchange between the two countries, but we don't need China in sport and I stand by that. In China, human rights are being massively disregarded. A complete surveillance state is being built, one worse than even George Orwell could have imagined. I have followed developments in China for more than 20 years and I have been there several times. I know what I am talking about. The 51-year-old lawyer added, that is why I am of the opinion that FC Cologne should not be active there. Making money at any cost is not an option for me. Apart from the fact that it is questionable whether it is possible to make money there, there are more important things than money. And as a non-profit organisation that is socially active, we cannot support such a brutal and totalitarian dictatorship. Arsenal, which has commercial interests, including a chain of restaurants, I had no idea about this, responded to Ozil's comments by releasing a statement on Weibo, a leading Chinese social media site, as well as on other platforms, stressing they are apolitical and do not associate themselves with the players' views. All kind of has a, a ring of what happened with uh, the NBA in, in, uh, and, their, and their games in China recently. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My man of the match, JJ, I went with Peter Drury. Oh, you know why? Because earlier this week at the Football Supporters Awards, he was named as the commentator of the year, which I absolutely love. Um, I guess uh, he uh, I saw somebody posted a tweet that he has ended Martin Tyler's reign of terror. Um, (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) Tyler had his sweet spot. He absolutely did. And he's a legend. Um, But I have no issues whatsoever with Peter Drury taking this. So I just Quite frankly, I'm using this as a moment to play a couple of my favorite Peter Drury calls, if you'll indulge me. Uh, the first one, just from last season, the Vincent Company goal against Leicester. Company. Had a look, had a hit! Oh! Captain Fantastic! A wild celebration for a goal from his wildest dreams! And then maybe Peter Drury's best work ever, I think. Manolas. When Roma stunned Barcelona. Well, that's two seasons ago now. Yeah, yeah. And Roma have risen from their ruins. Manolas, the Greek god in Rome. The unthinkable unfolds before us. Roma have risen from their ruins. It's poetic. Yeah. He's fantastic. But he's simple with it. He doesn't go too far. Um, Look, commentating has changed. There's far more talk now than there used to be. I mean, there used to be just commonplace was the one-man booth. It wasn't even a, a color commentator. And nobody, I've said this before, you know, Barry Davies was the king for me. Because he would use silence, he would let the moment breathe, and then he would come in with just a nice 
quick comment, mm. like the Gascoigne free kick against Arsenal in the Cup semi-final. But if you're going to have someone who's got good use of of the English language, then Drury is your guy He's right fantastic. now. I, I think soccer has a really deep bench of quality broadcasting. Like I, there, there's some, I think so too. Like sometimes, you know, I'm watching the NFL here, and I'm like, real like. <laughs> Can't we do better than this? Like, there's millions of people in this country that want to be announcers. There must be something better than some of what we get yeah. in the NFL. Soccer, I I don't often find myself disappointed with the quality of broadcasting. Yeah, but I think there's more instruction to be given in the NFL that kind of dulls down your poetic nature. Like, I'm you, not saying I need poetry. No, but you have to give the information. That's uh, the running back gets the ball. That's a gain of three. Second and seven. You know what I mean? You've got to give that kind of... Whereas in soccer, a lot of what's happening is obvious right there and then. It's free-flowing. I mean, my, one of my... I'm going to defend the NFL here. One of my favorite calls is, is Vin, Vin Scully. And it's, um, it's an NFC game from the mid-70s. And it's Dallas are playing the Vikings... And in the crowd, I don't know how, but a man goes on fire. He just goes, his blanket, he's, spontaneously he's, he's wearing a blanket and someone, he must have been in an argument or somebody, or he dropped a cigarette, but it, it he goes on fire. And Vin Scully just, <laughs> Vin Scully goes, and if you've got time, just spare a thought for a young man in the stands. Oh, golly. He's gone. <laughs> he may even have said he's who's just ablaze, oh. and he he describes what's happened. Oh my! As God. the guy's ablaze, and um, if you've got a few prayers, say them for that person. This second is- and seven from the thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is the example you go to. How do you segue? I know. I that's been, that's wow. no because people criticize Joe Buck for the David well, Tyree you know, call. You know I love Joe Buck. I know, he's, but the David Tyree, he's, the he's following what's happened and the David Tyree catch, and it is caught by David Tyree, and that's all he said. But I actually like that call. What else is there to be said? How has he caught this? That's for the replay. I don't know. It's yeah. a different, two different games. Yeah, I'm not saying there aren't any good NFL announcers. There are definitely some that I really like. Barry Davis's one was um, soccer. I think is deeper. Barry Davis's call of Franny Lee's goal for Derby. I think it was. Look at his face. Just look at his face. Ah, uh, good times. Good times. Hey, this was fun, my friend. When are you off to the homeland? I'm flying to the homeland tomorrow. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. Well, it'll be a uh, transcontinental podcast next week. It will indeed. Yeah. I hope you can get the technology working. Yeah, I know. I hope so, too. It's, it's always touch and go. It really is. I wonder if Rodney will help. Yeah, I won't hold my breath. Hey, this was fun, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Keep your. We didn't do a mailbag. We'll definitely do one next week. I, I promise that. There's so some really you. good mail come through. Don't worry. We will get to it next week. And my thanks again to uh, Robert Cordova for this cool fedora that I will you, never you, you take can, off my head. You can only wear it on holiday. This, hey. this is not... <laughs> for you. Good stuff, man. To you, I say... Take it later, fun boy. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 